1: pause your word counts, and enjoy. So hey, everybody, we have a very special podcast for you today. We are joined by Eric Smith, agent, and Mike Chen, author. They work together on a great new book that is coming out, and we cannot wait to share it with you. Guys, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hello. Hey.
1: So Mike, why don't you tell us how all of this happened?
2: Okay, so I first wrote this book, I started drafting it in 2013. This is the third manuscript that I wrote. The first was... A terrible new adult manuscript um that uh that will never see the light of day, new adults should never be like a hundred five thousand words. It was terrible um the second one, I was starting to get the vibe of how I wanted to do a crossover between. Um, like literary fiction and science fiction. And then this one just kind of came off some brainstorming that I did with a friend. I started querying in 2015. So I was getting some good traction that summer. And after the the major revise and resubmit, I just had an offer pop up in my, um, in my inbox one day. And it was from a smaller agent. And I wasn't quite comfortable with his sales record. Actually, it was kind of one of those, like, I'm just going to I'm mad, so I'm going to query everyone this week and send out like a mass batch of like fifteen or twenty. And he happened to be on the list, so I wasn't expecting anything from that, but that kind of kickstarted things. And I, uh, I Eric had, I think my partial at the time, my partial or my full, and I pinged him. And, uh, he said that he was time crunched and he wasn't going to necessarily be able to read it like in such a fast turnaround. But after seeing Eric's profile, I'm like, okay, he's relatively new, but I think he really gets me. You know, he talks about Nick Hornby. I like Nick Hornby. Um, he talks about sci-fi and geeky stuff. I like that too. He has a Corgi. I had a Corgi at the time. Uh, my poor Corgi passed away since then, but she is oh, in I'm our sorry. hearts. Um, And so I told him like, I think we're a good fit. I will give you some extra time to read because I think that this is a good idea. And I wound up getting um, four offers four or five. I can't remember now it's been so long, Um, but uh, I, I interviewed each person in succession. And then with Eric, I remember like, I remember the one thing he said to me, like when we first said hi and he goes, I want to represent your books. Actually, I want to represent all your books. And I thought, I like this. (laughs) (laughs) But we we talked for about an hour and I just thought like we were really had like we really got each other and I I got off the phone and I thought like I'm 99% sure it's that one. I have one more person to interview, but I'm like, I'm so certain that this is it. And then I talked with that other person who wound up being like the number two choice. And but I went with Eric and uh, that's how we hooked up. It sounds like a marriage story.
1: (laughs) 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 Eric, did you know right away too? Uh,
3: After I finally read the book I did, uh, you know, Mike was, um, you know, like we talk a lot about, you know, authors and how they should follow up and how they should nudge agents and everything like that. Um, I feel like that's one of the most popular questions I get on social media, like when should I – Follow up, and Mike did it a bunch <laughs> to make sure I had checked out the book. Um, so I finally got time to hunker down and read it. Like I inhaled it in like a day. I like wept in my apartment, and I was like, "Yes, no, I need this now." Um, so yeah, I sent him a nice email that I felt like it was like pleading with him, and uh, yeah, no, it uh, it all worked out pretty well. <laughs> oh yeah, and that's my baby in the background. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: interesting, you guys that. You're talking about nudging and kind of having like this this really easy chemistry, Um, even before you kind of had that great discussion. Can you just talk a little bit, Mike, about like how much you nudged, and then Eric, how much nudging you could take? Because I think that's like a really interesting piece that most writers are like, "How does that even work?"
2: What I tell author friends who are in this stage now, like when it's time to nudge the other agents you finally have the power in the in the querying process and you feel kind of like zeus throwing thunderbolts from mount olympus and i was just- So I, you know, I sent out like the mass um, and went through my list and, you know, very importantly put offer of representation in the subject line. And that felt so good. Um, uh, And, uh, you know, people would either reply yes or no in terms of time. PS Literary had, I don't know if you guys still do this, but you had um, an agency assistant who was kind of like managing all the queries at the time. I had mentioned the offer and, you know, he was running like as a third party. And I said, like, I would really much like Eric Smith to to read this. He still has it open. Can you make sure he gets to it or he gets the the thing soon? And then Eric replied to me personally. And I remember you said something like, you know, I don't know if I have time to, to get to this, like, just now, because I'm really time crunched. And we kind of, uh, you know, I would like give him like – status of like well you know i think like the, the the main offering agent was because he was smaller he was doing a little bit of a power play by saying like you know i've i'll give you i think five days instead of like the customary two weeks um so i think he was trying to squeeze out the bigger agents but i i, I had actually said like you know what I'm the one who's in control of this process, so I'm going to just insist on more time so I can get the people that I want to read it. So that's a lot of um the my end of the nudging came from that where um like I was trying to buy more time because I felt like Eric would be a really good fit. So I was like, hey, I actually got more time, so you know, please read it, please, please, please (laughs) read it.
0: And then for Eric so you read it, you wept, you loved it. It was instantaneous for you?
3: Yeah, no, it was it was instant the second I fin- finally got to, to read it. Um, I loved it. It was amazing. It was beautiful. It's kind of angry at Mike because it's one of those books that you read it and it's so good. You get kind of ticked off. Like, why do some people have all the talent? It's uh, it's kind of not fair. Um, but uh, I guess a note that will eventually lead into our discussion about how long this took to pitch around. When I was trying to find the email – Uh, The original email with me and Mike, which is from August of 2015, uh, I had to search through (laughs) 1,246 emails that Mike and I have exchanged, a mixture of emails and Google chats, uh, half of which are probably book related. The other half are probably me sending him video game deals. (laughs) (laughs) And what other agent does that for you? (laughs) And uh, he also included a photo of his corgi. Wearing steampunk uh, glasses uh, after our phone call, and that you know that was that was it. So
1: this was
0: indeed a bromance from the <laughs> yeah. start
3: I right guess. right away.
1: <laughs> um, Mike, would you be comfortable reading some of your query?
2: Yeah, I actually I've, I've never read this out loud, but I guess I have to get used to this because I have to do I have to read part of my book, you know, in in front of people in a in a few weeks. Anyways, okay, so here's my query. Ken Stewart thought parenting a teen couldn't get any harder, but then he got separated from his daughter by a century. Before that, he was a normal family man, working and parenting teenage Miranda, a far cry from his old job as a time-traveling secret agent from 2142. Stranded in suburbia since the 1990s because of a botched mission, he'd spent the last 17 years thinking about soccer practices and family vacations instead of temporal fugitives. But when his rescue team suddenly arrives... Ken is forced to abandon his family and return to 2142 where everyone, including his fiance, who's unaware of time travel thinks he's only gone weeks, non not years Ordered to cut all contact with the past. Ken defies his superiors and attempts to raise his daughter from the future until one day he discovers that Miranda has been erased from history and it might be his fault with time running out. Miranda's very existence depends on Ken taking a final trip across time, no matter the cost. Break time travel rules, tell his fiancé about Miranda and his secret family, even put his own life on the line. Those are risks Ken will take because he, there's only one thing more important than the past and the future, doing right by his daughter. The end. Aww.
1: um, Eric, do you remember reading that for the first time?
3: Oh, I do. I, um... it's actually I'm looking at the email right now and I forwarded it to a couple of friends where I was like, oh, my God, look at this query. I need to read this. Uh, So, yeah, it it definitely hit all the uh, all the notes of what I like to look for.
1: I love that it's sci fi, but there's such heart to it. You know, I feel like if we're in a world where it's not our world, if you start with really human emotions and really relatable conflicts, we'll we'll take you. We'll let you take us anywhere.
2: And I think that's, uh, for me as a writer, like I know I could never do, even though I like reading space opera and epic sci-fi, I could never write it. I don't think I write action well. I don't think my world building and my mechanics of world building are strong enough to do that. Um, I've always been, um, well, like I referenced Nick Hornby earlier, like that type of like, uh, that, that type of character story. I, I, I love how Nick Hornby takes like character stories and kind of like these extraordinary contemporary circumstances. And, and I really wanted to fuse that with my love of sci-fi. Um, and so I think everything I write will probably like, unless I attempt some mad space opera someday, which I, I really, really doubt. I think everything's going to be like this very character driven story surrounded by fantastical elements. Um, You know, you, you know what you do good. So <laughs> you stick with it, staying, that's my lane and I'm staying in it.
0: So tell us about acquisition of this book. How did you get from this step of signing editor and agent? I mean, agent and writer to agent, writer, and editor.
3: Oh boy, I yeah. feel like you like the Game of Thrones theme. Kind of <laughs> <now> of
2: it. <laughs> yeah, oh, it, it was it was an epic journey. Um, so we started sub, I think, in like November two thousand fifteen or so, um, and I remember going into like the holidays that year, we actually had our first um, bit of interest and it was an editor saying that, that she was like excited about it and was going to send it to second reads and might want to, might want a revision f- um, for some of the world building, but she was very excited. And so I went into the holidays going like, Oh oh, this is really happening and it's it's happening sooner than I thought because everyone said, you know three to six months. Um, oh, so
3: my sweet summer
2: child. You yeah. know. <laughs> like um, and so that one and, and oh and I think in January, so while while that first one was kind of brewing, we got something from a, a literary fiction imprint. Um, and we had subbed out to to both sides, the literary fiction and science fiction. And so uh, I was like, oh, well, this can't fail. You know, there's two people who, who want interest. And um, it turned out that even after the um, – so the literary fiction – They they passed because it was too sci fi for their imprint, and then the sci fi imprint like they it was too basically too literary like they weren't quite sure what to what to do with it. Even though I had done a revision where they beefed up the um, the world building elements and the other so over the course of I think it was like eighteen months it was eighteen or twenty months it was close to two years. Um, It was like basically every three to four months I would have my hopes rise with like an acquisition interest. And then the, the literary presses said it was too sci-fi and the sci-fi presses said it was too literary. And at, actually, it was more than 18 months because I remember um, uh, my friend um, Eric's, Eric's client, Dave, had told me that his strategy for uh, surviving this was to have a hard internal deadline of 18 months. Um, and then at that time, like pull the project you would theoretically have exhausted all your options by then. So 18 months came and then that was May of 2017. And I I wrote Eric a very sad email of like, I think it's time, you know, like maybe we can revisit it in, in a year or two years, but, you know, let's move on. And then Eric very much insisted, I just talked with some new people and I think we should really, really give it around. round. And I was like, well, I'm kind of been (laughs) stabbed many times and bleeding to death on the floor here from publishing. But that's fine. That's fine. Um, And he said specifically one of them was uh, Michelle from Mira Books. And I I remember he said she told me that the the pitch gave her chills. And I'm like, that's fine. You know, I've heard nice things before, but the business people always say no. So whatever. Um, But we stuck with it. And that was actually the one that that wound up purchasing the book
1: wow (laughs) there's so much in there um
3: two years two years you guys and like um one of the really fun things that like my my authors do is they have a um they have like a slack channel (laughs) that i'm not allowed to be on like i'm not allowed to be in the slack uh it's like their place to talk smack and vent and everything which i think is fantastic um but like mike was seeing people that i was signing whose books were selling in like three weeks you know like and i felt like, and every time it would happen i'd like send him a gchat and be like hey i'm sorry don't please please don't be mad we're, we're gonna keep going we can do it we can do it we can do it um and like i just give mike all the props for just like sticking through with it because like i it, I was frustrated, but I can't even imagine what it's like on the well, I mean, I'm a writer too, but like I can't imagine what it's like on his side of things uh, dealing with that.
2: I, I, I'll say one thing that that Eric kept insisting that I thought really helped was that um he kept saying that the creative people were really, really enthusiastic about this so like from an editorial side we were getting a lot of support from the the interested editor and they would send it for second reads and they would get a lot of good feedback from that too and it always came down to the business people saying like we basically we don't know what to do with this um and i i think that he said because of that like we should keep going because somewhere there will be a good fit from a business perspective. Um, but creatively, if people like you, you should keep pressing on until you've exhausted every single possible option.
1: Agree. I just got an adorable photo in my email from Eric. It is Mike's signing his contract photo with Amelia on his lap.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was so small and manageable back then.
1: <laughs> oh, what a great moment in time. I'm so glad you did that. Yes, I'm so glad I insisted you take one of those. You're going to be That's so right. happy you, you have that.
2: You were the one who specifically said, "Like, because I remember I was like, I got it, I got it. And then like you texted me right away, like, do this before you sign it, otherwise you forget. And I'm like, oh, good point. <laughs> now we have that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Aw, yes, this whole email here, it starts with my pal, Jessica Sinsheimer. Aw, said it's customary to take a photo. Yes, it is. Good job,
0: guys. So, Mike, do you feel like, like because it took longer, it felt even better? Or do you think if only it took three weeks, it would have been better
2: at the time. I th- Eric's son was a, either just born or about to be born. And i actually, Eric, you were about to go on paternity leave, right? When we got the offer. Yeah. 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 yeah, and, yeah. and so Michelle knew that. And so she, she actually sent like, a detailed list of like, this is when the acquisition meeting is going to happen. And we should give you a, an answer by like this specific time on Tuesday, whatever it was. Um, and so I, I was on chat with one of my friends at the time, like, yeah, we're supposed to hear from the acquisition meeting in like 20 minutes, but like I don't know. It's publishing. It'll probably be like eight weeks from now. <laughs> um, and, and So like uh, the time hit and then like 15 minutes later, Eric texts me and it's, he just says it's time. And I'm like, there's, there's no way there's no way. <laughs> um, And I remember like, I think I just repeated like, I don't believe it a lot on the phone to Eric because we had been through so much. And it's like at that time, like during that conversation, I couldn't even really feel joy. I had been like so numbed to the process. It took a few days for me to actually process the whole thing that it was actually happening. Like I called my wife right afterward and she was like, aren't you happy? I'm like, I think I am, but I I'm just not really sure what's happening right now.
0: That's funny. I felt that way after childbirth. So I think <laughs> it's the same thing. You know, it is the same thing. Yeah. It is. Like you're like, oh, oh my God.
1: <laughs> it's over. Um, so in that process, what did you learn that could help out some other writers?
2: Well, uh, it's cliche to say work on something else, but um I like I think that's really the only thing that you can do. Um, because you invest your You've invested so much in, in, you know, your book baby and it's being out and judged into the world and to kind of shield yourself from, from that, you can detach by working on something else and get invested in another book baby. Um, I, I found that like thinking about a different set of characters in a different world, it, it just, uh, um, it allowed me to have them occupy my mind, both from like, um, both from like a creative perspective, but also like a functional perspective. Like if I was working in my head about like, how do I solve this problem with this beat? I was not just sitting and staring at my computer, like, you know, wondering when emails were going to come. Um, that and having, having a set of peers that have been through it before, like that Slack channel that Eric mentioned, like that was so critical to um, having a safe space to like be completely honest Um it, because I found like with with my friends who were still querying, I felt like, you know, I, I shouldn't complain about this, you know, because because mm. like I am at the agent and stage and they like I will see I'm ungrateful complaining about submission and acquisition. um But at the same time, it's like it is something that no one you can't quite understand it until you go through it. So it was really important to have peers that have gone through it and could kind of like talk me down when I was on the ledge Uh, about stuff so um but the main thing was like work on something else like it it, and it it doesn't even like when you say work on something else maybe it doesn't have to be another book but like invest your energy and your thoughts into something else you know whether you're building you know a cool diy project in your garage or writing a book something that will shake you from just staring at your computer and with your gmail going reload 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 because (laughs) that 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 happens. I have had to talk friends down from that too.
1: Yeah. Well, I, Yeah. Me too. <laughs> unfortunately I bet there's something to panic about it every stage.
2: Yeah. And it's, um, I, I told Eric at the beginning, like, give me all the gory details because I'm the type of person who keeps spreadsheets. I still do. Um, about like, you know, where, the, where are we at? You know, what stage are we at? Like who's passed, who's been shown interest. Um, I would say that there's if I could do it again, I I might not ask for so much information. Like we'll we'll see what happens the next time I go on sub. But I find that like if you have too much information, you can kind of like look too much into things like I do um, because I, I set up websites and stuff like I also put the analytics on my own website. And I would tell, I would g chat with Eric, and be like, New York City, HarperCollins visited my website, and he's like, Mike, don't <laughs> don't look at that, that could be anything. Don't look at that. <laughs> and now I have friends who I have helped set up analytics on their website, and I tell them like, okay, I'm giving you this power, but be really really careful with it because if you hit reload like 15 times a day, like you don't know why someone might be. Might be visiting your site, like it could be like a random search engine thing from a blog post or something, um, and, and I, I, it's funny because like I can see all those times Eric talked me down. Like I am now doing this for like some of my friends who are they're like, I got a pain from New York City, wow, and I'm like, okay, calm down. It could be weeks, <laughs> it could be months, we don't know. So um, it could yeah, be anyone
1: si- in New York City. <laughs>
2: That's right. Yeah. So uh, because there's the question of like, well, what if it's an editor and they're looking at it on their phone? So the IP doesn't say HarperCollins or or you know, Penguin Random House, but it could be someone just working on the subway or something. I'm like, that that is true, but you
3: gotta you hold back your expectations. <laughs> so a hard lesson. I'm just, like, shaking. I'm just like shaking my head over here. I wish you guys could see it. <laughs> <laughs> Eric put up with a lot of my neurosis. <laughs>
1: no, no, it's real though. And I feel like most of those like trackers do way more harm than good.
2: If you, if you use these things, you have to, um, be the type of person to, to understand like, you know, it's going to take a certain level of discipline to not freak out every time you load that sort of thing. Um, so it, it's kind of like you know, giving your children the, a car, <laughs> you know, like you could use this, but be very careful with it. Now, ultimately, like it doesn't change anything. And that's, that's what I tell my friends I, having been through it now. It's like, it, it, it won't help you prepare anything. It won't help you accomplish anything. It won't make you a better writer. It's just going to make you crazy. And so, um, you know, being the type of person that I am where I, I like knowing what's happening and I like tracking things to like, you know, maybe see like, well, maybe this query worked or, you know, this one wasn't getting as much traction. I think that kind of information is is good to a certain degree, but you have to be able to dis- divorce your emotions from it. And, and that's not easy in, in publishing.
1: Speaking of all the cool tech stuff that you do, you built a very important website for publishing. Let's talk about that.
2: <laughs> so, um, I remember, so this is maybe about... What six months I think before before um I got my offer and Jessica I saw you were saying on Twitter that uh I wish like I could do something better with the uh, manuscript wish list website it's just a uh, it's just kind of there right now and it's hard to manage and I think I I think I emailed you uh, and I wasn't I'm, um and I was like hey you know I I build websites and I I know how to build a specialized database for for this would would you like some help. And I remember Jessica, you were saying like, I think you were just kind of overwhelmed that someone would offer something like that.
1: I was very surprised. Yes, <laughs> I was like, uh, I was like, who are these people? Wait, like, is my dream of Silicon Valley coming to me, coming true? <laughs> like, it, what?
2: <laughs> so uh, the, the secret business motive at the time um, was that because we were doing a bunch of websites for authors, we like we thought, well, you know, like. It, it would probably be good visibility for, for us to do some, a project like that and to get our names kind of out there. Um, But uh, yeah, like we built it um, and it's, I I won't go into the technical details about how the database works, but it's a, it's quite complex, but I think it's really handy. I still see people now on, um, on manuscript wishlist day where they'll, they'll be tweeting and like, I'm just looking at the feed um, just because and people will be saying about how helpful the, the website is and how, how easy it works um, for them to find their querying list. And I'm like, oh, people are still using this. And, I, I, you know, it's nice to have contributed to the community that way.
1: There are so many editors and agents who want to be on this. I have a queue that is ridiculously long. I'm always like, guys, I'm so sorry. It took me so long. Yeah. But like before we had this tool, people would literally email me, Jessica, please change this comma in my profile. And I'd be like, okay. And so um, having the ability to be like, here, guys, here's your login information. Go, edit, do whatever you want, whenever you want um, is – Amazing. It saves so much time and it makes it so that it's something that can really uh, sustainably grow.
2: I, I remember when you told me that you did all of the editing yourself based on people peening you via email. And yeah. I was just kind of horrified that like no one should have to do that. That's gonna be way too much work for you know, and you you, you probably got um you probably got peened for like really just small unnecessary stuff like I would like to remove this typo or you know change this sentence and it's like no 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 single human being should should be responsible for all of that.
0: Um yeah and well, Jessica's no single
2: human being <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um yeah
0: I mean she is
2: a superhuman powered by coffee.
1: I know. <laughs> I've got some right here. I was actually just <laughs> chewing on the grounds because they're delicious. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, people still get kind of mad when I don't add them right away. Did you just slurp your coffee? That's perfect.
2: Um, Oh, I did. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, people still get kind of mad when I don't add them right away. But it's also like, okay, you're mad. But that also means you really want to be here. So yay. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's really nice. But yeah, that was incredible. I mean, it made such a big difference for me. It made such a big difference for the industry. And I love that you guys did something that was both like good for everyone and smart because you both have agents now great agents.
2: Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we're talking about my friend, um, our friend, really, our now.
1: Our friend! Uh, I talked to her friend, yesterday. C-
2: yeah, it's funny, because she she chatted with me. She's like, why didn't you tell me you're going to be on Jessica's podcast? I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I meant to tell you, but hi, Sierra, I know you're listening. Yeah, it, it's funny, because I feel like we've become kind of part of the industry, not just because of our presence as, as authors, but, um, but through this. Uh, and, and I don't think it... I don't think it made a difference in terms of like acquisition or or you know getting an, an agent necessarily, but like when at least not in terms of like the creative aspect. But then when when people start are realize like oh you did that website and you work with Jessica and Jessica's a good person and she likes you, so that must mean you're easy to work with. I think that part helps. It's almost like um, if you're interviewing for a job and you know someone at the company that can vouch for you. I think that that does help.
1: Of course it helps. And I think everyone knows that like, yes, I'm very nice, but I have very little patience for people who are hard to work with. So <laughs> yeah, I don't have time for it. I don't have time for it. So Eric, did you know when you signed Mike?
3: I do remember this because when we were getting ready to pitch the book around and we were talking about like your platform and your bio, you were like, oh, let's talk about this website and this and this and that and that. So yeah, no, I remember that.
1: And Eric, would you agree that good deeds can be part of your platform?
3: Oh, 100%. Um, I feel like you get... <laughs> you get a, you get a lot further in publishing in my opinion uh when you're just a nice person mm-hmm. <laughs> and people want to work with you uh and that's or just life, you know, in and general. life. yeah in life yeah. in general yeah yeah
1: we're all about being nice at the Manuscript academy
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we are yeah julie didn't you say at one point that we should be like the zappos for publishing <laughs> i say it every day i say it to myself <laughs> Yeah. Well, we don't we don't send shoes to people, but we have all kinds of cool other digital products that can find you wherever you are. Eric, you you work with us at the Manuscript Academy and everyone loves you, by the way. And we get all these notes that are like Eric is amazing. Eric did all this and I'm always like Eric, you don't have to work that hard. So <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit about your experience with us
3: yeah yeah no I love working with you guys um so yeah I'll do uh, I've done query letter critiques and manuscript reads and you know first first 10 pages first hundred page reads with you and um, yeah it's always it's always a lot of fun uh, I get to dish out lots of notes and feedback uh, I do really like doing way more than I have to just because I don't know I write too and I know how hard it is yeah um, You know, when you had that chance to sit down and get that kind of feedback, Uh, if you can't get to conferences or or festivals or any of the sort of workshops agents tend to be at where we talk about these things, you know, I think it's a a great service to be able to sit down and give give that kind of time. And it's really funny uh, with you guys actually have like one like monster success story uh should i talk about Please. that the that thing we like good news to talk about so um and it's one of the books that uh it sold really fast and then i had to send Mike a, an apology to chat um so i got a query critique from a woman named uh, erica boyce murphy who uh, also owns a corgi <laughs> and uh, i think this is part of my branding and um yeah i read the query letter and it was like perfect and i sent her an email i was like you know this sounds like my kind of book like i like really weird literary books um why don't you let me read it and then i read it in a day and i called her without any warning which is usually a thing an agent does an agent will email an author and be like hey you know i really like this book let's hop on the phone let's schedule some time no i just called her as soon as i finished the book and blindsided her and was like i need to work on this book uh please let me have this this novel um and it was because of manuscript wish list because she sent me a uh, a query critique yeah and now here we are. her first book comes out in May I want to say it's called the Fifteen Wonders of Daniel Green. Oh. It's a literary novel about a crop circle maker who travels the country making crop circles Wow uh, yeah, it's beautiful and really sad and really weird, like Mike's book <laughs> and, uh, on brand. sold her. <laughs> Yeah, we sold her second novel, um, also to Sourcebooks, just a few months ago.
1: So tips for querying Eric. Step one, have a corgi. Step two, (laughs) be weird and quirky and different. Um, Yeah, if anyone is multiple people, I actually think Eric is multiple people. I don't know if there's a way that we can test for that, but I am also quite amazed at how you go above and beyond for everyone.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I'm nice.
1: So. Mike, you're at an interesting intersection of technology and publishing. What do you predict for the industry in the next five to 10 years?
3: Oh,
2: well, I, that's a heavy question. Um, so I, I would say that, um, as a user myself, like I've gotten, like, I read like probably 90% of my, my books on my phone on Kindle, um, and I know that's, like, not the popular thing to say, but I find it to be so convenient that, like, you know, if I'm waiting for food or, you know, sitting in the car for whatever reason and I have 20 minutes to kill, it's like I can just pop up my book and and look at it. And I think, like, um, but at the same time, like, there's the, the the tactile thing about having a physical book in your hands. So, like, it, it sounds like indie bookstores are doing really, really well now in the past few years. Um, and I I know, um, talking with them as I've been dropping off my galleys, like everyone seems to be like doing well against the Amazon machine. Um, so I think the creative people and and, like the local people have really, have really gone to, um, you know, appreciate still going into a bookstore, talking to authors, having events, having the physical books, uh, with them. Um, so I think you can have the best of both worlds. Um. And in terms of like technology for writers, um, I think things are so much easier than like when I first started drafting manuscripts in like 2007, 2008. And it was like, I had to write everything on Microsoft word. I had to back it up. I would email it to myself if I wanted to work on a different computer. And now I do everything on Google docs. I, I wrote my latest, uh, um, manuscript, which Eric just provided feedback on, um, and didn't hate, which is very important. (laughs) Um, I wrote, I would say like 75% of that on my phone in bed, wow. like either early in the morning, first thing, or like, you know, like the last hour before I went to bed, because I have I have a day job. You know, I do like this additional, you know, website stuff. Uh, I have a young child and it's really hard to just sit down in front of a computer and, and work on a manuscript. And so having the technology to be able to write anywhere like my thumbs have gotten used to the the like typing on on a small phone um so i i find that like that type of anywhere access i think is really like once you learn how to do it it can really change the game for for writers who you know have busy careers or young children or both
1: eric do you think most of your writers write this way or are we mostly i could see you having more tech savvy authors than the average agent <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's a good question. I I really don't know what their their individual processes are like. Um, I know in my yeah, um, no, I, I can't in stay. my debut group I mentioned that, and some people were
2: some people have also adapted to new technology where they're like, I have a three year old, and this is the only way I can write. So I taught myself how to do it, and other people are still kind of shocked by you know typing out. You know, fifty thousand words on on a cell phone, um, but
0: it, yeah, it's making me sweat. I'm sweating here. <laughs> I'm like looking at my thumb. I'm looking at my thumb, which is like a stump. <laughs> they call me in high school. I'm like, holy mother, yeah. how does he do that? You know, I think just the lines with media, you know, between stories. I think there's so many opportunities. I'm so excited to see where the next five years are going to go. Like more and more you know, web series, more and more short series, more and more movies. I, I can't wait. I, I'm kind of feeling it, Mike. I'm kind of feeling that your time travel thing could be an amazing show.
2: <laughs> I Fingers crossed. Put it out
0: there. <laughs> yeah. So where can we find you guys online?
2: Um, so I am most active on Twitter and that's Mike Chen at Mike Chen writer. <clears throat> watch out because there's there's Mike Chen, the, the YouTube chef, and Mike Chen, the, the tech startup guy, and Mike Chen, the minor league hockey player. So make sure you get Mike Chen Writer in there. Um, and uh, on the web, Mike Chen Books. Um, I have a newsletter that you can subscribe to that I don't update nearly enough. So I'm most active on Twitter. There's also Instagram at Mike Chen Writer, but that's mostly photos of my dog and my cats. Um, so, but that's, that's where you can find me if you like cute animal photos.
1: And you can find here and now and then in indie bookstores and on all the large ones too, January 29th. This is so exciting. Are you doing anything to celebrate?
2: I'm doing a lot of ramp up like article content, which is kind of celebrating, I guess in a way, at least I I write about celebrating. I'm going to have a launch event, um, at Books Inc. in Palo Alto across the street from Stanford on January 30th. Um, and then a series of events really throughout the Bay Area. So you can, um, if you're in the Bay Area and you want to see me be really uncomfortable in front of strangers, um, <laughs> then check check my website because there's, def- there's a thing in San Francisco at uh, Bookshop West Passage on... Um, February 7th, um, something probably coming up at um, Borderlands in San Francisco in March or April. Um, And then a few other things, I think Copperfields, Way in the North Bay by where Jessica grew up.
1: (laughs) I grew up with Copperfields. Yay, Copperfields. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Um, And then probably something in the South Bay too, probably in March for one of their book clubs. So um, there's going to be a lot happening. It's going to be very strange.
1: Well, Mike, I am just so happy for you. And I'm so happy you found the wonderful Eric. And you guys, thank you so much for coming on and doing this.
3: Oh, anytime. Thank you. We
0: are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within
1: the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our First Pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with First Pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy
0: and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.